0: welcome to advancing all women with sarah alter president and ceo of network of executive women on this show you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace from advancing women of color to developing and engaging male allies to how to navigate the new workplace post COVID 19. sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter.
1: Imagine this. You're a female leader and you walk into your annual review with your male boss. You have absolutely nailed your goals. In fact, you exceeded them. So you're expecting accolades, a massive raise, potentially even a promotion. But instead, what you hear from your boss, oh, yeah, great job on delivering the sales, but it wasn't just you. It was truly a team effort. And you know what? You agree with that. But then you hear the other leaders who are all male, and I have some feedback for you that we feel will help you because it's truly your behavior your presence, it's its held you back from ever moving up in the company. Here's what you hear. One, you wear too bright of colors. Two, you're too friendly. You chat too much. And oh, and stop that hugging. No more hugging. And three, you're far too nice. In fact, you're motherly. Not good. OK, so let's all pause. What's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this conversation? This is what sadly happens to many women, but in particular to those who are women of color. Their feedback is based on who they are, how they present themselves, not what they are doing as leaders or what they can do as leaders. So today, we are here to guide you all and how we're going to make sure that this just doesn't happen. We're going to shine the spotlight on the incredible... Latina female leadership community who are probably hearing this type of feedback. What corporate leaders and organizations need to do is appreciate the strength and the advantage that these incredible leaders have through their unique cultural experiences and perspectives. And this is strength that they can bring to their leadership role in their community. I'm Sarah Alter, and I'm the CEO and President of the Network of Executive Women, and I'm the host of our show, Advancing All Women. I am joined by three absolutely phenomenal leaders, Mindy Figueroa, who is the founder and CEO of Latin to Latin Marketing, Alicia Petros, who is VP and Chief Digital Officer for the Hershey Company, and Al Dominguez customer of development and VP from the kimberly Clark Corporation. Welcome to all three of you. Thank you. I I have had the great honor and joy to partner with all of you. And I know that you are going to both enlighten and inspire our audience today. And we are gonna provide that guidance that's needed to elevate the Latina experience in corporate America. So let's get started. All righty. Um, so, Mindy, I want to start off with you. You are our, our resident expert here and, and thought leader. And, you know, it, you partnered, your organization partnered alongside with New, as well as Latinorific, another phenomenal um, organization focused on supporting the Latina women in the workplace. And we did a study, a couple of years back, and we focused on the experience of Latina leaders in the workplace, and more importantly, you know what we need to be doing as leaders and companies to better support them in their advancement. Um, can you educate our audience that you know when you say the term Latina, it actually covers a multiple number of countries and cultures, and you know please educate our audience on that fact.
2: Thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here and uh, to be invited uh, uh, to, to again to to be with the new family. Um, yes, indeed, uh, you know, Latina or Hispanic women—it's uh, a interchangeable uh, names that uh, we uh, you know, labels or or uh, monikers that are being uh, given to our community. Um, Without getting into the individualism, right, but uh, we all come from 23 different nationalities, uh, obviously from Latin America, the Caribbean, the Spanish-speaking Caribbean, and uh, in some instances it includes the Brazilian, depending on what, which term you utilize, and the Spaniards. One thing and common denominator is obviously language. And the fact that, in a way, um, yeah. you know, Spain and uh, the conquistadores, you uh, know, that's what brought us all together. But each individual group has their own journey, their own culture, their own mm-hmm. richness. Mm-hmm. And it's important to understand not because we are all uh, Spanish-speaking, or bilingual, or prefer to uh, speak English, we are all going to be connected by the same, by the same, um, I guess, uh, uh, structure. Uh, there are elements that are common common denominators, but they are very distinct uh, differences from accents to um, traditions, etc. What we try to do in the Hispanic market is to understand what are the commonalities what is the bound or that that glue that brings us to together mm-hmm. and then uh, and then look at at those elements and celebrate them right celebrate those uh things that we share It could be music there's a matter if it's a cumbia or or salsa or something like that but the, we love music if it's a matter of family we love the whole um hierarchy and way in that intergenerational families come together uh, to celebrate. Uh, so we try to focus on that. And and I think that that should be the premise of understanding the differences. And and uh, and then sort of, uh, in a way, uh, understanding the, the biases that come from others that don't understand those elements, how they can group us together and say, oh, because you speak Spanish, you are Mexican, or you are Puerto Rican, or you are this. When each individual group is very unique and different.
1: When uh, Latinx, when is it? What when, when is it that it's appropriate to use the term Hispanic versus Latina versus Latinx?
2: Well, uh, the term Latinx is a very new term, and it's still uh, a lot of back and forth and in fact uh, in many cases controversy whether that should be a new label for for the for the latino community uh there uh, pew um, uh, research center came out with the uh, with a research about uh, six months ago or so and where most of the Latinos were not really uh, embracing the Latin X uh, moniker I think it's a matter of preference uh, the same way that uh, some people prefer from the East Coast to u- be utilized Hispanic versus, other people from Southwest or the West Coast prefer the Latino or Latina uh, Latina uh, name. So I think the Latinx, we're going to see what's going to happen. Uh, there's a lot of uh, chatter happening in the marketing rooms and so forth. But uh, I would say that before people embrace that, 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 um, that yeah. term, we have, to, we have to wait. We have to wait.
1: And, and clearly, probably the best practice is ask, right? Absolutely. Politely ask you know, how would you refer, how would you be comfortable having me refer to you as, and yeah, no, absolutely.
2: Just on that side, just, first of all, I'm a human being, right? So I want to be known as a person, right? Not as a label of some ethnic group or anything like that. So I think that uh, you know, people need to understand, and that's sometimes one of the biases. But like, what do I call you, or anything like that? It's like, call me like you will call Joe Smith, the same way.
1: Call me know? Mindy, right? Call yeah, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, excellent, excellent point. And and again, I think too, and and thank you for you know framing that and educating. Um, you know what what we clearly want to stress today in this conversation with these three incredible leaders. And individuals is that it's it's not about, you know, uh, separating or segmenting a community, but it's about integrating all of the cultures together, right? And having that appreciation um, of the unique cultural experiences and perspectives and embracing them, celebrating them, and then leveraging them. Um, so, you know, with that, you know, let me move on over. Um, Alicia, um, would love to hear you share you know your your personal and professional experience you know you 're clearly an H r leader at the hershey company um, you know what what have you experienced in terms of how your company or maybe others before that you 've worked for you know have have stepped up to support Latinas. Yeah. Um,
3: first, I'd like to say Sarah and Mindy and Alberto, it's just a pleasure to be here with you tonight. And I'm certain I'm going to learn just as much from this conversation. Um, you know, for for me as the Chief Diversity Officer for the Hershey Company, this last year has been truly transformational, you know, for, for two big reasons. Uh, first, mm-hmm. the pandemic that we've all been dealing with and then the summer of social unrest Mm -hmm. and so for us last year we viewed that as a moment to really stop slow down and reflect Mm -hmm. on the scenes were playing out you know across our phones and our tv screen and then we knew we needed to bring people together to create time to talk to talk about things that people were seeing, to talk about things that they were feeling, to really make space for those one-on-one connections. And out of that grew such an appetite to totally refresh our diversity strategy for the enterprise. Now, what was different about this work this time is that we did this work with hundreds of employees, And our Mm. Latina employees, our black employees, our Asian employees were at the forefront. And so through a lot of focus grouping and a lot of conversations, we landed on a new strategy, which we call the Pathways Project. And it's a five-year plan to make the Hershey Company even more diverse and even more inclusive. And so we're focusing on Pathways to join, ways to bring more people into our business, whether that's as an employee or as a contractor, or as a supplier or a service provider. Mm -hmm. Importantly, we are focusing on growth of our employees, and we are really focusing on growth of Latina employees and black employees. And this involves making space for tough conversations. This involves allowing everybody to understand that, hey, we're all human, So we all have biases. It's time to get familiar with your own biases and to see how those are showing up Mm -hmm. in your personal life and in the workplace and to take steps to mitigate them so that we can hang on to more of our top Latina, Black, and Asian talent, right? And the third pillar is around reaching out. So we want to show up for communities in new ways and specifically to fight systemic racism. So that systemic word is important because we have to go with this from a very programmatic way. And so for many companies, this really starts by taking a look at all the data. And so we've been looking at a lot of data in aggregated formats, but also in disaggregated formats. And when we did that, we started to notice some differences around promotion rates, around hiring rates, around candidate Mm -hmm. availability, around who's showing up on our slates and who is getting hired in our roles and how we are developing talent. And so as a woman of color, I know what has made the difference in my career is that I had very early exposure to P&L and other commercial roles. And I know for Latina women This is a difference maker. Mm -hmm. You really have to get that commercial exposure, particularly if you are focused on your career moving upward at a really fast pace. But, you know, something interesting about this relative to Latina women is that um, many women are learning how to advocate for themselves and for their careers. Mm -hmm. And I know as a black woman, you know, that wasn't something that I was born with when I hit the corporate stage. You know, it probably took me a a good 10, 15 years to figure out how to update my boss about what was happening, what my contributions were, how I wanted to see my career grow, and to build that advocacy and support. And I do find that Latina women are figuring this out, but there are some rules to the road. So I think that's one thing that is really important is recognizing you've got the power to advocate for yourself and you're going to find people who can be very supportive in helping you get your career where you want it to be.
1: Yeah, no, and, and, and spot on because it's as much the responsibility of the company right, which you've clearly shared with the Hershey Company, you're focusing on the D, E, and I, you know, the diversity representation, right, the E, equity, and then the inclusion is what really begets the belonging. So you you, you are educated, and you appreciate and celebrate and embrace the different cultures. But to your point, it's as much too about you as the leader stepping up and advocating on behalf of yourself and really asking for what you need and want. And so hopefully today we're gonna to provide that guidance um, to our leaders that are listening in. So thank you. Um, Al, you are our male ally here today in our conversation. Thank you. I, I, you know, you've clearly demonstrated, you know, in partnering with New that you are a male ally through and through. Um, how about you? You know, what has your experience been? You are Puerto Rican um, and then you've clearly, you know, had a successful career at an executive level. You know, what are the experiences that you've had, you know, when it comes to working with and coaching and and managing or leading um, Latina women?
4: Thank you, Sarah. And thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Um, I take take the title of ally seriously uh, because it is an important part in moving this conversation forward. Uh, And so to answer your question, my journey uh, really has allowed me to see uh, the world from different vantage points. First as a son of a Of uh, parents from Puerto Rico who migrated to the U.S. with few language skills in English and to see the struggle that my mother had in advancing in corporate America. Now, uh, the journey, I get to see it from the lens of a father, a father of three children, two of which are girls, Mm -hmm. and watching them uh, view the world with fresh eyes and prepare them for the world as we get ready to send them out. Uh, And now as a leader and leader of people. Uh, and a manager of a business, uh, it, has a, it has all those experiences have informed my perspective. And I would tell you that uh, the first thing that I talk about to my team and to folks when I'm coaching about career development is first the acknowledgement that uh, we have unconscious bias. I think Alicia mm-hmm. alluded to it. Um, if if you don't believe you have unconscious bias, I don't think you're being honest with yourself. Uh, but but it's not it's not a wrong, it's, it's how we're wired. It's how we're built, but the the key is really acknowledging it and recognizing it. The second thing is, uh, talking about how you tune into the right frequency so that you can hear people with empathy and Mm -hmm. hearing what they're saying from their vantage point. Uh, oftentimes it's very very easy to hear feedback that you're getting from your team or from key players in the organization and filter it through your own worldview, your own biases. And uh, if you can tune out of your own headspace into the other person's yeah. frequency, yeah. Uh, you tend to have uh, a deeper, r- richer understanding of of what their needs are, what their aspirations are, and what role you can play in helping folks develop. Um, I think Jack Welch said that when you become a leader, you're not handed a crown, you're handed the responsibility to bring out the best in people. And I I take that to heart, uh, People that uh, work in and around our organization deserve my best, deserve Mm -hmm. my empathy, and deserve my leadership. And that comes with the responsibility of making sure that they achieve what they want to achieve and and the the way that they want to achieve it. And so being tuned into that frequency, having empathy, and acknowledging your own unconscious bias, I think are all very simple, intuitive things that we can do as leaders uh, to help promote uh, Latina women in the workforce.
1: Yeah, Thank you. So well said. And, and and to that point, let's shift to those biases, right, that end up being these hurdles, um, these challenges that can work against, you know, these incredible Latina leaders. Um, this one, you know, Mindy, when we did that um, study in partnership, and you can find that phenomenal study at newonline.org. Um, but this was the one that really jumped out at me. It was my big aha but you meet someone, you interview someone, and they have an accent. And sadly, it's the glass half full assumption that oh, they probably don't speak English well. Yeah. Instead of <laughs> whoa, they're bilingual. They're probably even multilingual. <laughs> um, given that you know, one knowledge of a Romance language leads to many others more easily. And wow. They're better in tune with multiple cultures and communities. They're a greater asset to an organization, <laughs> and I've, you know, it, we're we're uh, listening along here, and I hear it in the sighs from a couple of you. Um, you know what? Al, talk to us about that. What has your experience been with that? This is for Al. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Al. Wondering oh, if you can share your thoughts and perspective on that.
4: <laughs> absolutely. I, I'm passionate about this topic um, because, listen, there's 7,000 languages spoken on the planet. And one thing we often don't realize or, or fail to maybe intellectualize is that your language informs your worldview. It informs how you see the world, how you describe things. And I've come to love accents. I I don't know if it's a function of, you know, my parents having thick uh, Spanish, Puerto Rican accents at home and growing up in that environment and growing up in Miami where you had people from Cuba and Argentina and Mm -hmm. all over Latin America. But accents are rich and not, not because they, they sound cool and they're great and, and they are all those things, but because with the accent comes a completely new worldview or at least a different worldview. And I have found that in the workplace, having different worldviews gives rich diversity in how you solve problems. And people with different worldviews come to problems mm-hmm. in completely different directions than I would even come at solving problems. And so the the I, I love bringing people on a team that have accents. Of course, you've got to work through communication barriers that sometimes exist if, if accents are thick and, um, and and prevent people from effectively communicating. But man, do I love a good accent um, from anywhere <laughs> around the globe? Um, again, not just for the, for the accent itself, but for the different worldview and the different problem-solving mentalities that come with that accent we should learn to love accents
1: yeah glass half full I love it um okay Mindy the yes. other one uh c- curbing your latina <laughs> oh my God. talk you to was... us about that
2: <laughs> uh, the stories that I heard through uh, monitoring the various different focus groups were you know, we can write a book, actually, not just, uh, not just a study, but uh, there's a couple of things. One of them was, uh, there's two anecdotes. One is going to be personal because I had the opportunity to also interview my two sisters, who is a, one is a banker and the other one is, uh, uh, is a chemical engineer. And, uh, and basically uh, what happened was that, uh, uh, let's start with the, with the one that was about uh, touching, you know, like being connected. Okay, that being connecting to each other. So what happened was that uh one of them was getting familiarized with the other Latina, and it's okay that we tend to hug and touch, and in fact, we tend Absolutely. to kiss each other yeah it's <laughs> kind of like an air kiss, but we tend to <laughs> kiss each other even though we never met this person, but it's kind of like like they, they, they get in the closeness. So one uh of her senior managers told them told her uh, you know, you 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 don't touch another person, you that's too much. And she says what are you talking about? This is the way we connect. The Latinas connect because it's right. a, it's already kind of a spoken uh, unspoken language. And then the last example that we heard in the, in and this was in particular my my younger sister. She's a chemical engineer. She is an auditor. She goes to the different uh vendors around the, around the globe to audit them. And essentially, instead of her traditional what people would think that she's looking like a nerd, she looks like a Movie star, very professional, long hair, uh, high heels, walking around the plant, et cetera. And when she sits down with everybody, the first thing she says is, guess what? I do have an accent. Uh, anybody has any issues and then people obviously open up and laugh, but she's been able to deal with it. So, uh, but yes, the the, your Latinaness is being a struggle for many of our uh, Latinas. And I'm sure, and we heard the same thing for, from the African-American hermanas, you know, the sisters that it's like, you know, I have to act in a certain way. Right. So uh, those are the two main examples that I can remember about uh, what we heard, but uh, it is, Something that uh, people need to understand that we're going to try to fit in uh, in the new norms that we need to follow, but we cannot be our we cannot stop being ourselves. That's, I guess, the message.
1: It, it ab- absolutely and and I um you know Al, I loved what you said, which is hey, embrace it, seek it, because you know you're going to get added business value and, and perspective, you know, from this, this person who's more worldly. Right. Um, and, and I love, it was your sister. You said, I love what she does. She heads it off at the pass right? and, and it's, you know, love that No, um, So we are going to take a short commercial break I want to thank everybody for listening in so far to our Advancing All Women radio show. And again, like I shared, we've got an incredible study on Latina women in the workplace, and it can be found as well as all sorts of other information about the Network of Executive Women at newonline.org. So tune back because in our next segment, we're going to cover, okay, well, what is it that we should be doing as leaders or corporate organizations? How can we do a better job setting up Latina leaders for success? So stay tuned and we'll be back in just a couple minutes.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash voiceamerica.
0: Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Member Members of NU gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NU's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's N-E-W online slash membership. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's N-E-W online.org. Now, back to Advancing
1: All Women. Well, welcome back. You are listening to Sarah Alter and the Advancing All Women Radio Show. I'm joined today by Mindy Figueroa, CEO and founder of Latin to Latin Marketing, Alicia Petros, VP and Chief Diversity Officer for the Hershey Company, and Al Dominguez, VP of Customer Development for Kimberly-Clark Corporation. Our topic at hand how can we better support and advance Latina leaders in the workplace? So, Alicia, let's talk about, and we, you know, as we just left for the break, we were covering the biases that unfortunately exist, those unconscious and sometimes even conscious biases that hold Latina leaders back. Um, But one that we didn't get to yet was that. Um, Latina leaders and women of color in general we 've also heard express this this same frustration as that when I get feedback <laughs> um, it 's typically on my presentation, <laughs> on my appearance and not focused on leadership development opportunities. Can you speak to your experience with that?
3: Yeah, I think that 's a really great topic and a great question, Sarah. And one thing that I've noticed throughout my career and one thing that we're working on really diligently at Hershey is this, this notion of the manager and employee relationship. And being able to give and to get good feedback is really a powerful, powerful skill um, for both people to kind of make use of. And so as a woman of color... You know, sometimes I have struggled to get feedback that was really meaningful and Mm -hmm. also really helpful, right? And why is that? People are sometimes really hesitant to go and give you the really reals because they may not know how you might react to that. It might just be easier to kind of gloss over and say, oh, you're doing great everything's great, don't worry about it. And then you get to the year in conversation and things don't pan out exactly as you would hope they would. Mm -hmm. And so I remember working with um, a leader at Hershey and she was really excited about career opportunities. And she was talking with a lot of folks about what she wanted to do And so I would hear her have these conversations, and one day I said, hey, have you talked with your boss about what you want to do? And she's like, oh, I'm really nervous too. And I said, hey, here's the thing. Who do you think is going to be your number one advocate and supporter, right? Mm -hmm. All these other folks that you're talking to are eventually going to come back to your boss, and they're going to ask your boss, hey, what's the really real (laughs) around this person? I know she's Mm -hmm. interested in this. What do you think about her? And I said, do you know what your boss is going to say when that person asks you that question? And she said, no. And I said, hey, it's your job to make sure you are informed all the time. So you want to know how you can get there? Just sit down, have an open conversation with your boss, and ask, hey, how am I doing? I know that these are some of the values that I see you bringing to the table, These are some of the leadership skills I see you delivering. How am I doing with those? And if you get the answer of, oh, everything's great, just get in there and keep digging again. And then you can ask a question like, hey, who do you think is really great at quality X? Oh, so-and-so was really phenomenal Mm -hmm. at that. Mm -hmm. Really, what makes so-and-so so great at that? Oh, well, they're constantly exercising this. They're constantly following up. Hey, that's really helpful. How am I doing on that following up? Oh, well, that's a really good point. I think you're really getting better. And you'd be even better if now you're getting some really good feedback, right? And I do think this topic of feedback is one that is really important because hey sometimes the mirror we use on ourselves doesn't really work as well (laughs) as the one (laughs) others see us through (laughs) and so you gotta have a lot of friends out there who are gonna help you keep it really real but you also have to have a really great relationship with your boss and sometimes that can be really really um, uncomfortable but you
1: just have to get in there and work at it absolutely and and it and it feedback is a gift and it's painful at the same time, right? And it, it's. I know for me, it was probably one of the most liberating milestones in my career. Was the day I realized, okay, as painful as it is, that's how I get better. And and to your point, you know, sadly, I think for women in general, you know, I, I've I've heard time after time after time that you know I'm totally comfortable being open and transparent with my male leaders, but I don't want to see the tears with my female leaders. And so I hold back. And to your point, then you have to ask. Ask for it from your boss. And if they're they're not comfortable, it's like, I've even done this. I've said, okay, well, let me throw this out. I think this is my area of opportunity. I probably could do a better job at that. And maybe it breaks the ice. Or in other situations, I've even gone to other leaders. And said, okay, well, will, will you provide me the feedback, you know, because I need and, and want to learn and grow. Um,
2: Sarah, so, one,
1: one comment that oh, I want. Oh, to. yeah, Mindy, please jump in.
2: I'm sorry, uh, because I think it was a term that it took us um, by surprise, um, but it really was nicely coined by this young lady out of Chicago. She called it social collateral. She said, uh, you know, I'm eager to learn what is the social collateral that I have to bring to the position. And what that meant was everything from not only the skill sets and the appearance or whatever, but even, you know, you have to understand people come from different socioeconomics. So not everybody has the same uh, habits at home from sitting at the dinner table, learning which, fork to use and which uh, knife to use. And and when we listened to that, it was it was everybody, literally everybody stopped talking and cannot listen because they wanted to understand what she was trying to convey. And I think that there is the one thing that came out of uh, the study was exactly that, that the young, especially the young uh, generation, millennials, Gen X, et cetera, are eager to learn from others about obtaining that social collateral that they don't necessarily bring from their own upbringing, uh, so that they can navigate uh, through corporate in you know, a in a faster way and the right way. They don't want to make the mistake. They want to learn from all of us. So I thought that was a very a very interesting um, name uh, that was uh, definitely we should definitely coin it and uh, use it for for how yeah. do we yeah. bring that into curriculum for. I uh, diversity and so forth. So just. A yeah.
1: very uh, no, I love it. And it's, and it's a positive way to frame, you know, your conversation with your boss, like coach me, guide me, you know, I know I'm going to need this social collateral. How, you know, what is your perspective on it? So it feels less about, Oh, I'm criticizing you, but it's more about, Hey, I'm coaching and guiding you. I love that. Um, Mindy, I want to stick with you because, um, and, and, and you just put it well, too, that um, there are different socioeconomic and cultural experiences. And you explained it early on at the start of our conversation that you can, th- there's a multitude of countries, right, and communities where a Latina leader can come from. Um, but within that culture, there are certain elements that can run contradictory <laughs> to the profile of what is a successful leader. So, you know, the collectivist culture,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the fact that I, as a Latina, um, you know, I need to be concerned about the overarching group right. and team, and I should hold back from self-promotion. Um, talk to us about that. Guide leaders and companies and what they need to do to get around that.
2: <laughs> yes. And you know what? What happens is that it sometimes it's mistaken as a weakness, right? So... If you want to take care of someone, somebody, and you too worry about the others, right? Versus uh, in in the Anglo uh, communities about the individualism. So it's like you know, that's not what we're focused on you or focus on what you have to do. So there's a contra, there's a there's a uh, challenge there. I think also traditional women in the in the Hispanic community, uh, we're not talked, we're not allowed to like sort of brag about. Our accomplishments. This is something that somebody needs to call out on you. Uh, Mm -hmm. So when when we go into a situation like Alicia was talking about, uh, going to your, I understand why that particular uh, colleague was afraid of going to to the to the boss because it's almost like you're going to say, "I'm good," and you need to take care of me, and 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 you need to give me the next job uh, because we prefer that they will do that for us. And, and it's hard to, to explain, but it's almost like uh, you need to be uh, humble. And again, here, sometimes being humble, it's taken as a, as a weakness. Uh, there was a, a, one of the women that uh, mentioned that in one presentation that she had in front of uh, C-level uh, men, uh, something happened with her presentation that she ended up apologizing. That was the worst thing that she ever did. Right. Because it was perceived as a weakness in our culture. When you apologize, you are recognizing that uh, that there was a mistake and that you want to harmonize the situation and move on. Right. So the different contrast of she Mm -hmm. coming out and saying, oh, I apologize because it was a fiasco with a presentation or whatever the situation was. uh, It was seen as a weakness and she was not longer a leader to be considered for that position
1: how did you learn to self-promote? Like, what was that moment or that role or that experience that that pushed you? Because it, I think you put it well, it, it, you, need, you need to be a strong leader and advocate, but you also need to be a great team player too. So that collectivist culture, I think, can only provide a strong foundation. But what was that moment where you said, okay, I got to start talking about myself and self-advocating?
2: Uh, if, if you're talking from my personal perspective, uh, indeed, yeah. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, I was in a, I was in a, a male industry uh, in the beer industry. I used to work with Anheuser Busch when I started my career, and literally all my conversations or uh, my meetings were surrounded by by uh, my counterparts were were all male, and uh, I will then I started noticing something really really interesting. They will fight, they will get agitated, they will do all these kind of things and uh, you know uh, put their fist on the on the table and <laughs> pull it out and we're having like petrified like what's going on here? And all of a sudden, with the minute that the meeting was over, they will look at each other and say, hey, are you going to go for a beer? Let's go down to the downstairs. I was like, (laughs) how did that happen? (laughs) So obviously, women, we tend to, uh, you know, kind of hold grudges and work in a different type of sandbox. So I learned very quickly and I adore my, I adore working obviously with everybody, but I really learned the, the way that. The, the men were manifesting themselves in, in, in the, in the boardroom, if you will. And I started testing myself, you know, and I started sort of asserting myself in a different way. And I started, you know, going with taking little baby steps until one day I decided, look, you know, I'm going to be who I am. Uh, yes, I am Latina. I wear bright colors like the one I'm wearing right now. <laughs> that People can't see it. And I'm going to be me. I am going to be myself and I'm going to tell what I, what I feel know following the norms this is not about trying to change uh you know it's, it's like going into somebody's house and understanding what are the norms of those people that invited you to their house and then adapting to that I might not put my feet on the couch uh, you know and uh, somebody else's house so that's exactly the same analogy we have to take that we can be ourselves we can be the the gracious host, to come into the house and behave in a certain way that we will be welcome again. And I and I think that sometimes people try to complicate how uh, women or Latinas or women of color need to act in a corporate way. If we just brought it down to, uh, you know, things that we do on a day-to-day basis, like somebody going to somebody's house, living in a neighborhood, living in a condo and following the condo rules, that's all it is. That's truly that all, all it is. Yeah.
1: Um- so another one, um, and Al, I'm I'm hoping you can um, guide our audience on this one. But um, what's inherent in um, you know the 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 Hispanic Latina you know Latinx culture is um, family top priority. And that comes before everything else, <laughs> either personally or professionally. You put your family first, even before yourself. Um, but oftentimes, that can be misconstrued by corporate organizations. So, what what's your thoughts on that, and how companies can make sure that they allow someone to to maintain that priority in their lives, um, but also you know be successful in in their jobs?
4: Absolutely. So, listen. I don't. I don't think that um, any. Uh, ethnic group um, doesn't value family I think family is inherent to all ethnic groups I think the difference in the Hispanic culture at least in my experience in my family is that uh, family brings a tremendous amount of pride uh, to Hispanics Uh, in Spanish the word is orgullo it is pride in your family and 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 everything about it—the the happiness it brings you, the the world that it expands for you, the conversations you can have around a dinner table—and it's unfortunate that that's that priority is misconstrued as uh, lack of motivation or lack of interest in advancing one's corporate career. You know, I, I think any time uh, then that an employee has pride or passion in something, um, we we should we should hold that up mm-hmm. uh we mm-hmm. should celebrate it um you know if a, if i had an employee who was an ultra marathoner and you know took their lunch hours to go run uh spent their weekends uh going to different cities running races that would be a prideful thing that would be great we should celebrate it equally we should celebrate latinos who believe that their happiness comes from their family and they want to spend time with their family and they want a vacation and they want to bring their family to work outings uh, these are all things that we should celebrate, and um, uh, and celebrate the pride and the passion that comes with it. Um, it's certainly nothing that should hold anybody back from advancing in a corporate career. And you know, as as traditional gender roles change in our in our uh, society, I think I think we're moving in the right direction. I'm seeing less and less. Um, of of that being a barrier to people advancing in in corporate America. I see women with dual uh, working households and children. I see single moms with uh, young children who require a modicum of of flexibility to be able to do their best and achieve their best. And I know my company takes great pride in providing that flexibility and giving people the space to be able to do what they have pride in to follow their passions, uh, especially family.
1: So Alicia and Mindy I I'd shared this quote in our in our last um show but working mothers to be successful have to do their job as if they don't have children and they have to mother their children as if they don't have a job. Yeah. So have you ever felt either one of you that you've had to hide the fact that you're a mother in in your career?
3: Yeah, I would say um I'm a mother to 250 pounds of puppy. So that's a, def- a different situation than human children, I know.
1: Oh, oh, fur babies count. Oh, they but do count.
3: <laughs> they have a schedule, you know, just like human kids have a schedule. Yeah. And, you know, what I notice is sometimes there's, there's a lot of assumptions, right? Sometimes individuals make assumptions like, I can't do that job because you have to be available during X hours, right? Because that's how I see the person in that job doing the job. And then sometimes hiring managers will say, oh, well, she might not be interested because she's got a family. And we have to work at certain hours to get this done. But you know what solves all that is a little bit of conversation. Because here's the thing, just about everything today can be negotiated. And if we haven't learned that in this last year, Mm -hmm. (laughs) where we've all been working, eating, raising something, caring for someone while we've been on a Zoom call, These lines, there's no lines. It's just all a blur. This is what Mm -hmm. life is today. And so there's a way to manage that and to work it out. But I think you have to be open to having that conversation. As a hiring manager, you've got to be a little more flexible these days, I think, about what work is. You know, work isn't necessarily where you go. It's what you do. And thanks to technology, you can get it done in a variety of ways. And I think this is a real advantage for women, because I see there's a, going to be a lot more flexibility Absolutely. right, yeah. in the workplace. And so I think it's a great moment to kind of step in and really take advantage of that.
1: Mindy, how about you? Have you ever had to hide the fact that you're a mother or a parent? And, and Al, I'm going to get to you too.
2: <laughs> I'm not. I, I, uh, I don't have kids, uh, but uh, I also had a little puppy. Unfortunately, he passed uh, recently. But in any case... I have to say I admire my sisters I admire anyone that has a career that uh, also have kids and that and their wives, their sisters, their um, daughters and everything else. I saw very closely through COVID how both my sister working in corporate America were struggling and were handling and dealing with it with it all at the same time, with homeschooling, especially uh, the little ones. And then even the college uh, bound uh, kids, children, it was a struggle, it was different, it, it changed their lives. And uh, the, fact, the fact that they survived and they had good grades, they graduated and everything, I'm just like, wow, that's, that's a big check mark for me. I think what the uh, recent term that I, I heard in another uh, with another group called Latinas and Power out of Connecticut, it's the, they were interviewing these two ladies, uh, very, very successful Latinas. And one of them mentioned that um, the term that really defines Latinas today is becoming a chief emotional officer. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an amazing name that I'm borrowing from, from that group, that uh, Latinas and women of color, I think women in general, I, I think it's of it. OK, let's mm-hmm. talk about the whole thing. There are parents, there are men that are also working, uh, you know, their father and mother too. everybody like that. But I think there has been a lot of uh, impact during COVID uh, for women in general. We lost about three million women in, mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. last year and from corporate America. And I bet anything that they're not sitting down doing nothing. I'm sure, I think, Alicia, to your yeah. point, they're either going to change the way corporate America, and that's a wake-up call for corporate America, how they're going to put their own terms of how, if anything, they become part of the gig uh, economy. So, uh, because they want that flexibility, because they can turn in or turn out, like almost like an Uber, when they want to work or when they want to yeah, do yeah. it, they need to take care of their time.
1: Yeah, no and and, and, and and to your point it's um, it's more about being caregivers because people define their family in different ways, right. Um, you know some people do have children, some have fur babies, some are more responsible for their extended family or parents and um, and and the I guess the silver lining in the chaos of this past 15 months is that um, you no longer have to hide the fact that you have a personal life or that you, you know, are putting your family as a top priority. And and I loved how you positioned it, Al, with it's, it's, it's your pride or your passion, you know, and it shouldn't be ignored and, and leaders and companies should find that flexibility within the flexibility to make sure that you can make it happen. So we've got just a couple of minutes left. Can I have everybody give one key best practice or recommendation. Um, and um, Al, if, if I may, I'm going to start with you. What is that one thing starting tonight and tomorrow that a leader or company should do to better support and advance Latinas in the workplace?
4: It's simple. Uh, in the workplace, create the space for caring conversations. Uh, we do this at my organization where we simply create an environment where we can come together and talk about how we're feeling, mm-hmm. things we're seeing on the news. Uh, things that are happening around the world. Mm -hmm. And by having that engagement, you open up your frequency to hear people and listen to where they're coming from with empathy, with compassion, and with heart. And that's absolutely a very simple thing that all leaders can do in their organizations to help uh, improve uh, their situation.
1: And that listening facilitates the self-education. So love it. Absolutely. Alicia, how about you? What's that one key thing?
3: I'm going to build on what Alberto said, and so to facilitate the listening, you know, really focus on your network. One beautiful thing that's come out of the last 15 months is that our employee affinity groups, our business resource groups, are growing, like, by 30%. People want to have connections. They want to come together. And interestingly, they want to come together in smaller groups, to have those really important, meaningful, and personal conversations. So both for individuals and for companies, I say look for ways to support networks because that's where the real deep conversations are happening these days.
1: And Mindy, round us us out.
2: (laughs) It's the age-to-age. It's the human-to-human connection. Uh, Everything else falls into place.
1: Absolutely. Well, I want to thank all three of you today, Um, Al, um, Alicia, and Mindy. Thank you so much for sharing your own personal experiences and perspectives, but more importantly, for providing that advice and guidance and how leaders and and companies can step up as, as they certainly need to. And then I want to thank everybody who has listened along with us today. So glad you joined us. And I want to thank Voice America um, for giving me and the network of executive women and our incredible community the opportunity to share our voices and our mission um, with all of you. So join us every week because we're going to be back every week and we're going to provide you guidance in how to advance all women in the workplace. For more information on new and our podcasts, check us out at newonline.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you all for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.